Then they're no longer special forces. You're just a Benvenidas. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You are yeah, a Benvenidas. That's Benvenita. the name of them now. <laughs> like Seal Benvenidas. Yeah. Hey, dude, have you ever worked with the Benvenidas ODA yeah. team? Out, that, you know, God, Detachment man. Alpha? Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, awesome. I heard about this Joker. It's like parts of his story make it out. Parts. And, you know what I'm talking about? You're, 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 I've heard different parts of the story at different times like man that, 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 that single piece is nuts right you're just like that's crazy that's crazy thing i ever heard yeah you got the, you know you got the metal bottom for that and like well no it was a little bit more than that and then you and then there's a little bit more right, of that, right. and then there's a little bit more i mean the story is remarkable so let's just let's just jump in it i'm gonna read his medal of honor citation and and we'll go for there all right here we go master sergeant roy p benavides united states army Distinguished himself by a series of daring and extremely valorous actions on 2 May 1968, while assigned to Detachment Bravo 5-6, 5th Special Forces Group Airborne, 1st Special Forces Republic of Vietnam. On the morning of 2 May 1968, a 12-man Special Forces Reconnaissance Team was inserted by helicopters of the 240th Assault Helicopter Company in a dense jungle area west of Lac Ninh, Vietnam, to gather intelligence information about confirmed large-scale enemy activity. This area was controlled and routinely patrolled by the North Vietnamese Army. After a short period of time on the ground, the team met heavy enemy resistance and requested emergency extraction. Three helicopters attempted extraction, but were unable to land due to intense enemy small arms and anti-aircraft fire. Sergeant Benavidez was a at the forward operating base in Lachnay, monitoring the operation by radio when these helicopters of the 240 returned to offload wounded crew members and to assess aircraft damage. Sergeant Benavidez voluntarily boarded a returning aircraft to assist in another extraction attempt, realizing that all the team members were either dead or wounded and unable to move to the pickup zone. He directed the aircraft to a nearby clearing where he jumped from the hovering helicopter and rammed approximately 75 meters under withering small arms fire to cripple the team. It's funny, they say withering small arms fire, but that, that must have been a hellacious mountain of gunfire. What does that even mean? Withering. I mean, is it like crippling? Is it, I mean, that's got to... Uh, withering as in horrible to... <laughs> Yeah, because it, it doesn't it, stop being horrible to the gunfire stops, right? <laughs> it never. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you'd always wonder who writes these things, right? All right. Prior to reaching the team's position, he was wounded in his right leg, face, and head. Despite these painful injuries, he took charge, repositioning the team members and directing their fire to facilitate the landing of an extraction aircraft and the loading of wounded and dead team members. He then threw smoke canisters to direct the aircraft to the team's position. Despite his severe wounds and under intense enemy fire, he carried and dragged half of the wounded team members to the awaiting aircraft. He then provided protective fire by running alongside the aircraft as it moved to pick up the remaining team members. As the enemy, I just take a step back and go... He was doing fire and maneuver with a helicopter. Oh, well, he was really saying, yo, I'm down here. I need my ride. But they were leaving him. He was hauling ass trying to catch up with him. I get it. I, I imagine That's him. how badass he was. I, I imagine him going like, here, get behind <laughs> yeah, me. <right. laughs> Follow no me. Hey. 
This is an aircraft with like a minigun, a 60, and right. he's like, get behind me. Get behind me. me. You get behind me. Helicopter, I'm talking to you. Get yeah. behind me. Let's go. <laughs> he then provided protective fire running alongside the aircraft as it moved to pick up the remaining team members. As the enemy's fire intensified, he hurried to recover the body and classified documents on the dead team leader. When he when he reached the leader's body, Sarge, Sergeant Benavidez was severely wounded by small arms fire in the abdomen and grenade fragments in his back. At nearly the same moment, the aircraft pilot was mortally wounded and his helicopter crashed. Although in extremely critical condition due to his multiple wounds, Sergeant Benavidez secured the classified documents and made his way back to the wreckage where he aided the wounded out of the overturned aircraft gathered the stunned survivors into a defensive perimeter. Under increasing enemy automatic weapons and grenade fire, he moved around the perimeter, distributed water and ammunition to his weary men, reinstilling them a will to live and fight. Facing a buildup of enemy opposition with a beleaguered team, Sergeant Benavidez mustered his strength, began calling in tactical airstrikes, and directed the fire from supporting gunships to suppress the enemy's fire and so permit another extraction attempt. This is remarkable. He was wounded again in his thigh by small arms fire while administering first aid to a wounded team member just before another extraction helicopter was to land. And his indomitable spirit kept him going as he began to ferry his comrades to the craft. On his second trip with the wounded, he was clubbed from behind by an enemy soldier. In the ensuing hand-to-hand combat, he sustained additional wounds to his head and arms before killing his adversary. I, I just... I'm like a little hand-to-hand. Yeah, you know in, in the midst of all the other yeah. madness, how about a little hand-to-hand to throw that in? He then continued under devastating fire to carry the wounded to the helicopter. Upon reaching the aircraft, he spotted and killed two enemy soldiers who were rushing the craft from an angle that prevented the aircraft door gunner gunner from firing upon them. With little strength remainder, he made one last trip to the perimeter to ensure that all the classified material had been collected or destroyed and to bring the remaining wounded. Only then... In extremely serious condition, from numerous wounds and loss of blood, did he allow himself to be pulled into the extraction aircraft? Sergeant Benavidez's gallant choice to join his voluntar- voluntarily his comrades who were in critical straits to expose himself constantly to withering enemy fire and his refusal to be stopped despite numerous severe wounds saved the lives of at least eight men. His fearless personal leadership, tenacious devotion to duty, and extremely valorous actions in the face of overwhelming odds were in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect the utmost credit upon him in the United States Army. I mean, when you hear that, brother, oh, it, holy. All that for some classified information. I mean, think Pretty about crazy. that. He probably didn't even know what was on it. Didn't. He didn't just matter, knew really. the team leader it was classified. had. It's classified. Is that important? And he had to get he that. He had to go through that shit to get it. <laughs> On top of everything else, I mean, saving his buddies. And, and Helicopter I mean, crash, a little hand to hand. Whatever was written on that paper was just as important as everything else. That's that's how important classified stuff is to us, right? Amen. We know that it is. Good on you, brother. Good on him. Well, I I just wanted to tell this epic story of 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 just an amazing American, one of the greatest Green Berets to have ever lived, 
And I wanted to share a story because I want the next generation to hear this and to keep imagining it, to go out there, to find his story, to watch the videos of him. There's a great one that he gives a, either a commencement speech. There's this great speech of his. Go find that, search that, and be inspired to, to get that never quit spirit going in you. So let's bring another guy on that has the never quit spirit. Let's bring a guy on that's... You know, that's really pushing himself to live up to the standard that Benavidez established for the Green Berets, that established for all of us. Let's bring on Mr. Tim Kennedy. What do you say, Marcus? Do it. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. I know you want me to keep singing that, don't you, Marcus? <laughs> hey, did I tell you about the story of the guy who wanted to sing to me at the d- dinner the other day, right? You did. That was a little, that was a but that was a whole to... different side. I mean, I don't know what you're saying about Green Berets in that statement, but what well, I do know is that I love my brothers, and I've always loved my brothers from the time I spent at 18 Delta yeah. on Fort Bragg. So it is an incredible I just, I'm super stoked to to bring on to the Team Never Quit podcast, Mr. Tim Kennedy. What's up, brother? Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> I use the term loosely. I, well, you. you have to. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be yeah. otherwise. So, you know, one of the things as we were talking about as we prepare for guests, you know, we'll have like we've had Laura Logan come on, or you know, Governor Perry. We sit down. And we're like, all right, what do we need to say and all this. So I go to him, I go, all right, we got to prepare for Tim. And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, why? He goes, he's one of us. He's he's a twisted son of a bitch just like us. We're good. (laughs) He's going to say a bunch of stupid stuff that he'll probably regret later. And and then uh, that's it. (laughs) And that's the show. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's the wrap. People take stuff from that. That, That's why we have a podcast. (laughs) Amen, they do. I mean, uh, the good part about it, bro, is you're wired like we are. So... uh, you know how this is going to go, man. Once yeah. we get into it, it'll roll. So, all right, it's all right. fun. So, and thanks again for doing it. Yeah, thanks a of lot, course. Tim. I know you're you're busy, man. Especially making Facebook videos with your shirt off, doing strong hand one handed shits, bud. Yeah, why would you wear a shirt when you look like this? I I, I don't know, man. I I don't look like that anymore. I, so I that's wouldn't. that's I, why, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> that's why I don't do those one-handed shirtless shirts because people would be like, "Hey, Rut, nice gut, bud." <laughs> like if I had a dirt, if, yeah, right. If, what if you had a Dirk Diggler? Would you wear tight pants? <laughs> right? I wouldn't wear pants. <laughs> there you go. And that is noted. And yeah, that is yeah. noted. That's what no, I would say. Obviously, I wear pants, so it's apparent that I'm no dirt diggler. <laughs> All right. So, Tim, the way we loosen up, the way we get, we stretch out our gray matter up top is is we going to give you a mad minute. Now, I know you're familiar with a traditional mad minute. This is a little bit less important than any one of those questions would be. So we're going to fire just random questions at you. First thing that pops in your head, just let it rip. Roger? Okay. All right, here we go. I'm ready. Go ahead, Marcus. First car. First car. Um, that's, it's complicated. I'm embarrassed to tell you the story, but uh, my first car was a 1954 Henry J that my dad built and handed me the keys when I turned 16. Um, it's something as a tradition that he did with my brother and I. He handed him a 69 Le Mans. Um, I sold the car a few days later to buy a Geo Storm. <laughs> that's thinking. That's heavy thinking. 
Now, what did yeah. that crush your dad's dreams right there? Or what did that do no, to him? No, man, he knew at that moment. He's like that stupid, retarded little kid. Me, <laughs> yeah. I got him now because I, I, I was like, "Hey, dad, can, you know, can, can I sell this car?" He's like, "Son, it's your car. You do, you do exactly whatever you want." With it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to buy a Geostorm. I'm going to put a glass pack muffler on it. I'm going to put a subwoofer on it. Maybe oh, yeah. some neon lights, you know? So I'm cool in California with all the other cool kids. He's like, it's your car, son. You do whatever you want. And he knew. That guy, he knew from that moment on, I would regret that decision to the day I die, which I still do. And he still, you know, he doesn't gloat, but he knows. He knows he got me right then and there. He, he, will, he will always control you. Yeah. Have you thought about going chasing down the, the jackass who bought it from you? Have you gone after yeah. him? Yeah, he still has it in Atascadero, California. And uh, we went and a little had a heart-to-heart, and I, I threw an obscene amount of money at him, and he just smiled. I think he maybe even talked to my father. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> absolutely. They're in cahoots on the whole car. thing. Yeah. yeah. You should have looked at him like, I'm a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean business. I'm a businessman. All right, all right, next question, next question. All right, Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Led Zeppelin? That's a long pause right there. Yeah, um, I mean, n- none of them are like quintessentially American. Good point. All right, let me sp- let me refresh her. Here we go. Ready? You ready? Yeah, the just, Eagles. Just, just give me an American band. Don't come at me with three like Brits. All right, you know, here like, you go. Here you go. We ready? We rolled that in 1776. So if we need to revisit it on the music era. I will, but I don't think we need to. All right, check. Here you go. Th- that's a that's a fair statement. All right, here we go. Uh, Nirvana, Social Distortion, or the Eagles? Uh, are, am I on drugs or? <laughs> that's a personal yes, question. Yes, right. yeah, it's a combination uh, uh, LSD and Jack Daniels, Black Label. Go. Uh, Nirvana for sure. Just keep the razor blades, lukewarm bathtub, and aspirin far away from me when I listen to it. <laughs> All right, movie character you play out in real life. Um, Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> She's, hey, she did good in that. She was hot. She right? was hot. It's really good to go back that scene where she's in the alley and she's looking for the cat and she's confused and Perfect. the water's kind of messing yeah, up man. her hair, like my yeah. hair, you know, and it's like, you know, and I'm a dancer and I'm skinny and, you know, act, and I'm like, acting. I have all these mixed emotions and I'm New York because it's my favorite city in the world. And, and then I finally find the alley cat and yeah, I'm okay. I can live. That's hot. I mean, that got me hot right there. Just watching it. That'll affect a lot of people too. That, 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 that does affect, it affected me. It affected me. All right. All right. Here you go. All right. If you had to get in a fight with one, who would it be? Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? And that, this is not like now as old man and you want to just kick some ass. This is like Rambo and the commando. Yeah, but she didn't oh, say that, though. I changed it for him. I changed it. Oh, okay, check. Yeah, it, just I touch one of them in the hip these days or maybe talk to their testosterone doctor and limit how much they get and the fight's over. So, uh, <laughs> so which going one? Back to their, going to the peak, prime days. Prime days. I'm going to go with an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's a, that's a, he was a Google, massive Google, like bodybuilder versus Brazilian jujitsu guy. Um, there's a whole bunch of videos of high level grapplers fighting oh, yeah. these. Oh, I watch, yeah, I watch all the time. 
Yeah, they're so much fun. I just can't get enough of it. So I just want an opportunity yeah. to make one of those videos, and it would it would be classic to do it with like Mr. Universe, you know, seven time in his prime, seven time Mr. Universe. I love it. All right, are you a John Wick or a Jason Bourne guy? Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent a John Wick guy for two reasons. First and foremost, Jason Bourne. Um, he is not the Jason Bourne character. Um, the guy's a super anti gun guy. And so he goes and makes the Jason Bourne movies and he's shooting like 20, 30, 40, 50 people a movie. And then it's just, hey, hey, stop. I I know, you know, it's true. You're breaking my heart. I I know it is. I'm trying, I try not to pay attention to it, man, because it ruins the movies. But you know what I found out? I was, uh, back in the day, somebody told me about, Hey, watch the actors when they're shooting guns. And when they, you know how they, you know, guys who are afraid of guns blink a lot. You don't notice that until you, until you get trained on it, and then when you go back and watch the movie, oh, it's just devastating. All the all your your superhero Man, bodies yeah, in the back, and they're, I mean, they're, they're freaking, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, they're scared as shit. So uh, I, had, I had three friends that were in the John Wick movie, um, and they did a great job. And then obviously, um, Keanu Reeves, I know him from some, some motorsport stuff, and he oh, right, is yeah, one yeah. hell of a competitive shooter these days. Well, what was he that recent shoot. that recent Facebook thing that went viral with him at fifty running those plates like he was some twenty five year old you know brand new guy out of buds? It was crazy. But, yeah. I, 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 so uh, go ahead, evidently, that was a scene from John Wick that they were rehearsing, um, but they were doing it with live ammo. So he they they recreated one of his shoot scenes on the range, and so he's like, "No, if I'm going to be able to do it on, in the movie, I want to be able to do it." in real time with real ammo with real guns and uh so dude he looked good yeah I, 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 he that, seems like he's squared away when, just as a dude in general you know when he's tearing through that bar uh during john wick man do you notice he, he he pulls out that other pistol man he goes to his offhand oh yeah it doesn't i mean i i didn't notice it the first 25 times i watched. Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> <laughs> just the premise, the premise of that movie like yeah i'm having a bad week you know my wife died and things aren't great but really it just comes down to you messed with my dog and i'm gonna kill everyone right? I, know, <laughs> I know you know what i'm talking about i have a mustang totally. like that dude i'm like man dude exactly they took his car they killed <laughs> his dog bus. everyone dies yeah yeah, I think it's the modern, it's the best modern shoot 'em up fo- film there is by far. It's like, it's the instant cult classic. I'm yeah, glad too, it. man. I like. Yeah. All right, all right. Last last question in a mad minute. That's ten minutes long. Uh, what is your power animal, Tim? My power animal, um, it's a male ferret that's locked in a cage with a female ferret that's in heat, and the male ferret just snorted a kilo of cocaine. <laughs> Are they young young ferrets because the old ones get blind? You know they get blind because of the cocaine, no, or just because they're a old? Fair in his prime. Oh, prime ferret, absolute like that's all ready dude. to go. Fair, that's all over the place, ready to go at all times. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day. Can you imagine? Because when dogs go in heat, man, or when animals go in heat, animals, I mean, they claw down walls to get in there. Yeah. It's they, they jump it, over fences, they climb it's trees. Unbelievable, like, man. The stuff that they can do to get to another yeah. dog in heat is pretty the good, impressive. The good Lord knew better than to throw that well, on, the, I, on, on us. I tell you what, I, I mean, being a young guy in the teams, though, and seeing 
some of the lengths that my buddies went through. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Can you imagine if, if it was like that, though? I, I mean, it'd be, I, I'd be terrible. I, oh, God, I've seen man, some pretty crazy like stuff. Yeah. I did deploy to Southeast <laughs> Asia, man. So, all right. That's the Mad Minute, Tim. We we totally appreciate it, man. That we've you blew away every answer we've had to date, hands down. Hey, what, what'd you trade the for the GL? Henry, what? Uh, I, I trade the 1954 Henry J for a lowered Geo oh, Storm. Oh, it was lowered. Okay, what? That makes sense then. Yeah, <laughs> Tra- right? straight, totally straight, worth it. straight up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <For this laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> all right, all right. So the reason why we 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 come on and we have uh, uh, unbelievable guests uh, is to share. You know, something about them that, that keeps them in the fight all the time. And I know, you know, based on your your recent uh, declaration to ISIS, which was one of my favorite things I ever saw in my life, by the way, uh, and, and really made me proud to be an American, uh, you're always ready for the fight and you're always training to get better and you'd never quit. So if you could share with our guests, our listeners, one or two or whatever, your greatest never quit story or stories, brother. All right, I, I will try to abbreviate it because it's kind of long and drawn out. Um, so I'll, I'll make it sweet. It's it's how I ended up enlisting, essentially. Nice. Those are always great stories, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're the whole thing, right? Because everybody always abbreviates. I can't wait to hear this one, bro. Crank it up. <laughs> All right. So I was in. I, I was. I, I was in love with this girl. And um, her father got relocated, lost his job and had to move. And I was like, no, this is the end of the world, you know? And then a couple of weeks later, my grandpa dies. And then a couple of weeks later, I slide my motorcycle and I crash it um, after some meth head runs a red light. Um, and then I go on this business trip. I'm, I'm in grad school and I run into the girl that I had like fallen in love with and had left and I hadn't spoken to in a while. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I finally, you know, like this is so serendipitous that we're crossing paths. It was I, completely random. I get, I get a shot at it again is what yeah. you're yeah. thinking. <laughs> so I got another shot, right, God? Um, so like we hit it off and things are fantastic. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back to California. I'm going to square things away and, and we're going to move forward with this plan. Um, so I land in California and my phone just starts going berserk. It's like beep, 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 beep. And I find out that... Um, I have a couple of couple of young ladies that I was hanging out with before I left uh, that I knocked up. Um, not not one, not two, three. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's impressive. And, you are uh, you were busy. You were really busy, bud. Um, and at this time, I was I was already a professional fighter. I'm in grad school. I'm working at a dot com commerce, and. So I pretty much have to call this girl and tell her, Hey, it's not going to work out. Um, I, I got some things going on here. She's like, well, what's going on there? And I was like, well, I got a couple of girls pregnant. And, um, she's like, well, that's magical. Thank you. You're a horrible person. Um, and then a couple of weeks and as I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen, um, I have a girl walk into the gym that I trained at, which was slow kickboxing with Chuck Liddell, Gan McGee, Jake Shields. It was pretty much the, the best fighting gym in, uh, in, in the United States at the time. Awesome. And this girl walks in and she was a ring girl. From a San, card St. I St. Just Louis, St. Louis Obispo. And that up at St. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis Obispo. Oh yeah. 
So a card yeah, girl. Were you there? That thing got a fucking yeah. steal? Yeah, dude, man. <laughs> I'm talking about that every year. Yeah. Yeah. I was up there every year, bro. <laughs> God, that dude, y'all, man, that one dude. God dang, that was so crazy. Oh, my God. Uh, that's a whole different story altogether, bro. That's cool, man. I knew one day I would run into somebody who was up there. Because I ran into Chuck. I, it. Go ahead. The, the bad news is, we were you and I maybe even scuffled because I was in that fight. Dude. God dang, man, that was crazy. That spilt out in the street down the... <laughs> it was insane. I'm a, oh, I, man, yeah. dude, you guys going to jail and shit. It's crap, man. It was, go ahead, yeah. man. That's a um, good time. <laughs> so this, girl, our- this girl walks into my ball, in, into the gym, and she's like, hey, some you fought at, a, at an event um, a few weeks ago, and I'm trying to track down the people that I've had sex with. And... We did, I'm pretty sure. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was great. And, um, and she's like, well, I, I tested positive for HIV. Um, Wait a minute. Is like, this on top of the three girls too? This is a whole nother girl? Yeah. Yeah. This is something else. <laughs> Dude, you I want to give, I wanna give I, you a yeah, hug I, right I, now. I want to come, yeah. come through the intranet and I want to give you a big hug hey, right yeah, now, yeah, bud. Yeah, right, Tim probably, you know, he'll he, he have a couple never quit stories, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Never, yeah. you know, like I joined the military. That's a never quit story. Yeah, it's hard, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Damn, Keep man. going. Yeah, this is hard. Give me the, the 22 year old version of me a hug. <laughs> um, so, anyways, um, grandpa's dead. Motorcycles crushed. Um, couple, three girls are pregnant. Um, maybe I have. Maybe I have. I have AIDS. And then I'm sitting at my desk trying to figure out what I'm going to do, realizing that I'm a horrible person. I'm a selfish piece of crap, and I watch planes flying in, into the buildings. Um, wow. And uh, I you know, walked down to the recruiter's office the next day, and I was like, man, you know, I've wasted everything about my life up to this point. You know, I, I want to be a Navy SEAL, Green Beret, Special Forces, Airborne Ranger sniper. And the guy's just laughing at me, you know. Um, and there's like 5,000 people in line in front of me and behind me because this is now on 9-11. And uh, – and, that was how I enlisted. Oh my gosh. That that is the heaviest yeah. the heaviest enlistment story I've ever heard, brother. Hands yeah. down. I mean, wow. Well, I, I mean, one of the interesting things when I you started out, it was like, well, there was a girl. And I was like, Yep, that's okay. Check. <laughs> There's number one right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, well, the question yeah. is, is yeah. you know, once you did raise your hand or sign or they or you know, they said, all right, we're, we're going to pull you in and you're, you're dialed in. Did all those problems get, did it get easier dealing with them? Cause you had this focus now. What, what was, what was your life transitioning like at that time? And that's a lot of weight to carry it, to go into the S to the program. Too. Tell me about Correct. it. Yeah. Good question. man. It shifted my perspective from being exclusively internal, only caring about my, myself you know, what girl I was going to hook up with, what jeans I was going to wear, how I was going to score, you know, some more booze to bring to the party, how I was going to show up to wrestling practice on Monday, not smelling like booze, you know, how to trick my coach, into, you know, like all, all the stupid things that, a, you know, a 22 year old prick would worry about all of that disappeared and everything came about, okay, how, how am I going to provide for now I have a family? How am I going to help with my grandmother who's grieving? Um, how am I going to be tested, uh, you know, every single month to make sure that now that I'm, you know, I, I can't, if I have HIV, I can't be SF, you know, so like everything became about how to become a better version of myself. And to this day, I'm still that way. Um, and, but that was, 
if I was going to go back to a point, you know, it's me walking into Morrow Bay, California, taking my clothes off, getting in the water and start swimming out from the rock. Um, when a coast guard cutter cruises up and the captain's hanging off the side and he's like, Hey son, you having a rough day? You know, (laughs) (laughs) that, that was, uh, that was about three days before nine 11. Oh, wow. And, uh, things changed from there. Well, all right. So now you, you get in and you get your, how, first off, how long did it take you to get to selection? Uh, so I, I, I was one of the rare freak anomalies. Um, I went, I was kind of recruited to go straight to selection. So I went from infantry, from basic training to infantry school, infantry school to airborne school, airborne school, to SF prep course, then the prep course to selection. Um, so within a year, I was in selection. I was everything that everybody as a Green Beret hated. I was what they called the Special Forces baby. We did. Yeah, you were. I was going down. Yeah, you were hated for oh sure. My God. <laughs> so when you went through selection <laughs> was, as this as this SF baby, and we didn't even know what that. We, I didn't even know what that meant. Did, did like, they drop talking? the hammer on you? Just repeatedly or what so we we started before we got to selection we started with almost 500 kids and um, we sent 96 to selection wow um awesome so you know for for the equivalent of the 408 other dudes went to the needs of the army and 90 96 dudes went to selection um you know everybody talks about the attrition rate during buds or you know during hell week or during selection um, our attrition was before we even got to selection. Wow. That's heavy. Now, now in the transition, did, did hey, I got to go for Hey it. brother, man, I just, I don't know. I didn't even think about this. So a lot of them guys, man, they all joined up because of nine, nine 11. Right. So there was a, there's a heavy reason why yep. you, why you want to do that. Why, why they joined up. And when you, when you join in, like, man, you ain't good enough to, well, man, I want to join because I want to do something. I mean, it, yeah. had, it had to be heavier than norm, normally. Yeah. Right. There was focus. There was focus yeah, in the so guys. Yeah, so the guys yeah. who didn't make it yeah. because they weren't good enough, and they still had that drive because, hey, man, nine eleven happened. I bet that was that was hard to choke up. Oh, for sure. It was, going, it was yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. absolutely. Because now you got to go, go back, get now in line sucks again. When you get kicked out, I mean, when you <laughs> get rolled, rolled, just man. get rolled, sucked. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So making it through, did you? As you saw people fading away and going away, and you're there, you're you're brand new in the army. Did your focus just improve? And and no matter what they were throwing at you, did your intent? Because we always talk about in terms where the application of pain in buds is what the transformational uh, component of the never quit mindset for us was, right? While you implement the positive. Exactly. You got to win. You got to win. This is the way we do it. And you keep losing, but you don't think of it like that. No, you're just getting harder and harder and harder. Were were you feeling that in a way that was like, it was fun for you? Because a lot of times guys, you'll ask, oh no, it sucked. It wasn't fun at all. But you seem like the type of guy that like, it was awesome. The pain was the, was the cool part of it. Man, I loved seer school. I loved it. I, I loved having my nuts break the frozen water. I loved getting hit with the phone book. I loved being trapped in a box. I loved them pissing outside of the door. You know, I loved them screaming at me. I loved that little Asian girl making fun of my dick. You know, like, I, I loved it. Because that gets most dudes. Oh, it's crushing. Oh, yeah, that's heavy they, shit, dude. They fold. Yeah, like, 
God damn, why'd you have to go straight there? Why'd you have to yeah. go there? I, I, I could tell you, they would have had to shoot me in the face to make me quit. They would have had to shoot you in the face to make you quit. Yeah, there's nothing. The, the pain, just, just like just like making a blade. You know, you, you're heating it up and you're pounding it and they're heating up and you're pounding it. And you're watching those impurities. That is not a peaceful process. That is a violent, horrible, brutal way to get something strong. And, you know, like right, right now, I have such resentment from this current group in the military that's like, no, man, we, we have to make sure that the training's safe. We have to make sure that these guys aren't under emotional or physical stress. And I was like, that's not how it works. That's not how something gets strong. Something gets strong because it, it recognizes that it's going to die if it doesn't improve. Well, that's why they're so jacked up when they go to war, when they come back from it. Because they weren't prepped for it. Like, I can't put you in stress, man. He'd throw them over in the chaos. And I mean, what? You, you train these guys in the off chance we're not going to go to war. You can't think about it like that, man. You go, you join the military <laughs> thinking there's a war well, on, right? That there's, well, there's one going down. You, well, have, you have to, man. You can't. Well, you know what happens. It's the guys, the guys, the officers, they get a chance. They go down range. They go to war. They get their calls. They move out of the operational mindset. They be, they come into the training world. They, they take over commands. And their whole thing is, Man, I got to look better in order to make that next rank and jump up so I can get to the Pentagon, put on a star, and do all that. So they get distracted from what the original yeah. mission is, for I think, sure. I, mean, that, I think that happens a lot more, obviously, because they always call it the cleanse when the war first kicks off. That happens, I think, a lot in peacetime because the war fighters that come through with the training, they're the, y'all are, we're the same way. 18, uh, or, uh, I was... Officers come through there, train with them. You have to build that up, man. For sure. You know, you telling me to go out there and take that hill, I'd do it a hell of a lot easier, man, if I'd known that, you know, if I needed you to come up there with me. And that's the way it is. And then yeah. those guys during the those hard chargers, man. But the problem is, is that they have to deal with the outside influences who aren't going into war. So the battle hardened warfighter officers, man, they don't, they don't rub well with the politics. <laughs> they get rid of them. And oh, it's right. just like, what? But. Now, now we're in the scariest time frame where we're we're, tr- we're 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 training our troops as if we're in peacetime. You know, we're like, oh wait, no, we're pulling troops out of Iraq, no boots on the ground, and you know, and we're downsizing Afghanistan, and you know, we're looking internal. We're we're at war now. We're at war in our own country. You know, now we're doing it in Orlando and San Bernardino and New York and New Jersey. And and even worse is we're still acting as if we're a peacetime army Nuts. when we're straight up in the middle of a war, a war that we're going to start losing unless we recognize who we are and where we're headed. I mean, this is we're at a point of diminished returns. And uh, well, you asked, my soapbox. Uh, no, all you got to do is talk to. Well, I told you how desensitized people are because I mean it, that's what it is. Everybody expects to see a uniformed army come over the beaches and do it like we do it. That's, that's not how this one works, right? It's it's a. Uh-huh. You got to look at it as something that has metastasized, like a virus, right? It grows and, and learns and, and mutates, and that's what this is. And it's it's moved in to the inner, or it's, it's past us, right? So there's a door opened 100%. up and it came right inside, and we can't engage on this land. So we are absolutely, I mean, you better figure out what to do because military, we can't do it. Well, and the other craziest aspect, too, is, you know, the the, the pressure on the soft units is still there and increasing but they're not preparing these individuals mentally yeah. for the pressure of that fight. I mean, you look at 
And and you look at us. I mean, we just lost a uh, you know a guy in the in the spring. Uh, you know, fighting with the Peshmerga, Charles Keating, right at Team One, and, well, and, and they did too. You you guys lost some uh, a couple <laughs> dudes. Over, yeah, and, and and so the pressure's still there. The warfare's still on. It's still going down, but it's crazy. Why, Tim? Why do you think they're pulling out? You know, the intensity of forging the individual like they did when it was our era. Man, I, I, I just—it's just—it's a—it's phase politics. You know, you you look, you go back to the Bill Clinton era. Um, you know, he did some great things economically. Uh, but you talk to guys, you know, the, the the generation just before us in the soft community, guys that worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, remember we were counting bullets. You know, we we're like, we normally like five years ago we had an ammo forecast of one hundred twenty thousand rounds prepping for a premob. Now we're getting ready to go, and I have authorization of 12,000, you know, like how do I, how do I, tw- how do I train 12 guys with a tw- thousand rounds a piece for the course of an entire primo? That's insane. You know, like guys should be shooting 10, 20,000 rounds, getting ready to go to combat. And now we're like, okay, you need to count your bullets. Make sure you don't shoot more. Just like make sounds every once in a while and pretend pew, like pew, you're shooting. Pew, pew, yeah, yeah, the pew. craziest thing. And this is probably a, a military tale, but, uh, I think it was a Marine. So they were a Marine unit was in a helicopter flying back, and one of the grunts dropped a mag out of the out of the helo, and they went back to get it. No, they did not because of the because he had to account for every piece of brass. And I mean, a guy telling me this man, the way he was explaining, he's like, "You can believe this, man." So every piece of brass that goes or every bolt that goes out, the brass has to come back. This was after some kind of freak shoot, whatever it was, and uh, sure enough, man, we was coming back from the range. Dude dropped a mag out of the out of the helo and had to go back and get it. Oh, that's nuts. That's nuts. All right, let's 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 pull back to something what is positive, and that's your spirit. That's how you live your life. You, I mean, I know you're a huge inspiration for a lot of people. I think one of the interesting things is that you came in, you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, you changed your focus in life, you got you got that direction. You stopped being selfish, became selfless. How did the combat deployments change you to prepare you for that transition into going back to fighting, coming out that, and, and doing what you're doing now? It, it, it was still that refiner's fire. You know, it was still it was still the chaff in the wind. You know, every time that I went, just like just like in the wrestling room, when you'd get better through pain, then in, in the Q course and you know, finally, when you get to your ODA, it, that's not, that's not the, that's not the end of training. When you graduate, that's the beginning of pain. You know, that's a team sergeant and team members and seniors that are looking at this, like you said, bright eyed, bushy tailed idiot and <laughs> being like, Oh, you think you can shoot? You think you're tough? You think you're fast? You think you're strong? And taking that piece of clay and molding it into a war fighter. So when I went to war, you know, I, m- I remember I got in a fight with my team sergeant cause th- they had a, we had a half mission um, a helicopter assault force mission and we lost a couple of our birds. So they had to scratch some personnel off of it. Instead of eight aircraft, we had six. So I'm the most junior guy on the team. Super easy decision. Cut that guy. Right. I was so pissed. I'm like, I, I'm shooting better than everybody. I'm faster than everybody. You know, like I get it. I'm, I'm only, I'm only a staff sergeant, you know, but like I'm, I'm arguing with my team sergeant oh, in man. Iraq about going. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So they get back that to the mission, well. and they're like, hey, man, go down to the tent. Meet us down there. I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, bring your boxing gloves. And I was like, okay, we're, we're figuring this out. You know, I'm going to talk to my team sergeant. I'm going to straighten them out. And I walk in, and my team, there's 12 dudes on ODA. There's 11 dudes with boxing gloves on. 
There goes this. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I was pissing blood. I was seeing blood. I was spitting blood. Hell, I, I probably had blood dripping out of my pores at that point. But I, I tried to get all the way to my team sergeant. And by the time I got to him, I could barely stand. And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, we, are we clear? He's like, I'm like, Roger, Sergeant. He's like, we'll stand up because we're going to fight. And that, you know, that's. And that's the way it rolls, man. No, I, I remember the first time my first platoon, you know, we were doing uh, housework up at Pendleton and I was young, brash. Oh, I can just move fast. I don't have to listen. I'm, I'm an athlete. I'm good. I got this. Don't listen. And man, I missed a moving call. They started throwing furniture in the room. I missed my moving calls. Just blew them off because I didn't need. I I just scoot around it. I did it once. You know, tweet. All right, Rutherford. What the hell? Did it twice. It's like, what the? You know, are you doing? Did it a third time? They brought my chief in. They're like, Wally, what the? You know, what's going on with Rutherford? He goes, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. That <laughs> night we got back from dinner, man. They they taped me up, put a happy hat on. Nope. And and for about and, and for about four hours, man, they tuned me up. It was so bad, dude. My legs, my legs were completely black and blue from top to bottom. And they're like, the next day, I remember the biggest dude in my platoon was like, "You better not miss a call, miss a step, miss." A... I was like, "Roger that, I'm good," you know. And and it's that forging yeah, process. No you never do it again. And you and you realize where yep. the hierarchy, why it's important, and what what it goes. So. When when did you finally? And oh, I, hey, and that there's a lot more there than what you're just looking at. Oh, totally. That that's the biggest thing right there, man. You come in full of gun, I, and then you had it. Usually, oh, dude, my my. Oh yeah, he grabbed me by the nuts and neck and threw me thirty feet down off this. I thought I was big strong guy. We were in Uzbekistan, finished up a J set with the border guard up there, man, and uh, we had this big feast and there was this huge swimming pool with a ten meter platform. We were out in the middle of nowhere. Which they didn't even have barracks, but they had a 10-meter flat. Anyways, <laughs> we were sauced up pretty good on vodka, but I, you know, they drink that for every meal. Yeah, yeah. That out there. yeah that's and, normal. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> and my chief was up on the top, and he's been around. He was a red cell guy. I mean, just one of the big, burly kind of deals. And every now and then, he'd get on me about my sideburns. All team guys grow their sideburns long. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, chief, what's up with that cheese package? And I'd rub his belly, and he'd be like, son, you don't even want to know. And I went up on that 10-meter platform to grab a hold of him. Just thought I was nuts and neck, dude. Picked me up over his head and flung me. <laughs> flung me, dude. And I hit the pull sideways like this. Not, not a belly flop, man. That whole side right hey, there. And then you slowly sink in the water. You don't go all, you know what I'm talking about? I God, do. Dang, dude. Oh, He's such dude. a great, great man. And it's, it, but the coolest part about it is you feel like it's not a punishment. You're growing in it. Did you how how long did it take you, Tim, before you started getting in that space where you're like, all right, I'm in a space where I've I've gone, I've done enough, I've seen enough, I can start transferring that type of forging process on the younger guys beneath me. Uh, I'm still I'm 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 never I'm I'm I'm, see, I'm telling you this I'm telling myself this that I'm never going to reach that point where I'm saying I'm that guy that it's my turn to 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 help younger guys. I'm still going to always try to improve. I'm still going to try to break myself at every single training session. I'm still going to go and try to be the fastest guy at the range. I'm still going to try to be the fastest guy, even though, even though maybe I'm not, I want those young guys to see, you know, now a 15 year special forces veteran. That's going to be the first guy out the door. 
that's going to be the first guy with a boot on the ground. He's going to be the last guy to leave the range. He's going to be the first guy that's out there picking up brass. He's going to be the last guy picking up brass. You know, he's going to be the first guy that's packing up his food to get back on the range to start shooting and, go, and start dry shooting. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe five six years in, I had the knowledge to start you know to start handing off, and I try to I tr- I, I try to hand that off, but I don't want to be that guy that is saying, okay, now it's my turn to share my, my impart my wisdom to you. Cause I still got to get better. Right. I still got to get, get broken. I still got to get humbled. Well, that's why in our community, they make the guys go to training, be instructors for sure. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. Yeah. All, every, all the guys think like that. And I, my entire time in the teams, yeah. I was it's funny as you, you, you progress and you got to remember, like when you came in and your first chief, you look at that guy, like, man, that, they know everything that they can't do any wrong. A team sergeant, that whole deal. And you don't even realize it as you're progressing and catching the rank and then holding the positions. When, as soon as that new guy comes in, yeah, he's a new guy, and then there's times for that. But then when it, it when it's going, it's like, hey, man, we're all equal here, right? And you forget yeah. that they're actually looking up the up at you through all that years that you have. Absolutely. And all you're doing is your thing. So that's that's yeah. the best part of that's what having those guys around those team sergeants and 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 the officers that have the rank and have the experience when you're out there watching them rattle battle and go to work, you're like. Hey, hey. That's cool. That's Maybe what it's supposed by, to be. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a battle rhythm, man. Yeah. And that's ingrained so hard. And, I, and the best part is when you start doing something so obscure in, in SF, we don't do it anymore unless the war is dictating it. And yeah. you go to train it and they just, like with explosives usually, they're like, oh yeah, I think I remember how to work this out. No. But, <laughs> you know I mean? You're like, wait a minute. No, no, no. I think I got it. Yeah, yeah. Pulls out his glasses. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, it's that one right there. I'm like, be, be sure, man. Oh my God. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> All right, so so tell me, all right, you you've got an, this amazing energy about you. I love it, man. That's me. I love being positive. I love the newness of life and every experience. It, it was it challenging or was it intimidating or what? To help us help the listeners understand what it was like going from you know just making the decision, the conscious decision. All right, I really want to get back to fighting, competing. And then what it, you know, the, the incredible success that you've had and, and, and in fact, coming up to a major, the UFC 205, which is one of the biggest cards ever. I mean, what's that like for you? No, I, um, I think I just want to represent our community. I think I want to demonstrate, I, I really believe that you, you know, you take some seals, some Rangers, some SF guys, and they could perform at the same level as me in any of these fights. You know, and I think people forget that like, we are the current day Spartans. You know, th- there's Amen. no better group of men on the planet than the U.S. military special operations community. Cool. You know, you, you take you, you take 20 dudes from each of those, you, dr- you know, from the kind of four peak units within within the United States. You drop those hundred dudes into into a country and they own that country. You know, Absolute, dudes, absolutely. Any country on the planet. I mean, so I want to be, I don't want people to know that I'm the best in the world. I don't care. I want to know myself that I'm the best in the world and that there's nobody that's a better fighter than me. And then, you know, if, when that comes to fruition and I take that belt and I toss it back in the cage, cause it won't matter to me. Um, I'll go back to doing the real work that matters, which is serving my country. Oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah, yeah. Once that's you say so you're the cool. best man, there's only one way to go and that's back down. Well, uh, you know, and that thing about I, I'm I think exactly like you do, man. When I don't care what you call us through through history, man, all us guys are the same, and we migrate towards each other. Spartans, you know, night, whatever gladiators you call it, whatever you want to, man. We 
And in, during the, the time of the Americas, we were called special forces and seals and green berets. So when in the future, when people read of the Americas, they always read about a country's military. And if you I mean, think about it like that and, and what you're doing now, our people and everybody around us read about it. And then as it progresses, you always carry yourself like a warrior in and out of it. Hey, right? You don't want to be, be known as a warrior during the war. And then when you get out, you're a, a podcast. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you got me on that one. I seen a pa- pause, right? I opened the door. You opened the door for me to let you up. I know. I'm sorry, brother. All right, one of the things I want to talk about, and, and to to uh, you know, ex- I had a point. It was coming <laughs> to expand on 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 the point about our desire, no matter what environment we operate in, and I think this will will translate you know, in an interesting way for people who run a course in one particular area, it doesn't fit. And then they come out and then they'll do another. And what we see a lot of times is because of, of, you know, the hard work required to become successful in any one area, we're seeing a lot of younger people will start something and stop, start something and stop, start something and stop. What kind of advice can you give to them, you know, to say, Hey, you know, suck it up buttercup and, and, you know, finish this out. Why, why is, what, what tools do you use and how you approach that in your life, whether it's fighting or, or being a green beret or being an actor in a, in a zombie apocalypse film, how, you know, <laughs> man, every good thing that's happened to me in my life has come after something horrible. That's come after something hard, you know, like, I mean, just go to ranger school to be, to graduate as honor grad, um, I remember sitting there on the line on an ambush. It's during the winter, you know, it's December and like, I'm freezing. My, my frozen dick is hitting the, the frozen ground. And <laughs> I, I remember this guy standing up and he's like, I quit. I'm done. I voluntarily withdraw. And he walks down to the street. And I'm like, that's a smart dude right there. That's a smart guy. You know, and I, and I go to stand up cause I'm going to try to quit. And he's like, get your ass back down on the ambush line. I'm like, dang it. I missed my chance. You know, and then, <laughs> then I graduate honor graduate and I get to go back and go to another selection and go to another unit, you know, and like, and things just got better. And every time the best things in life come after the hard point, you know, like the good things, those don't come easy. There's nothing that you're going to value. There's nothing that you're going to appreciate. There's nothing that's going to be worth anything to you unless you had to earn it, unless you had to work for it. Amen. Amen. And And, uh, and, and that's, you know, one of the, that message is becoming, I think, tougher and tougher to share with the, the, the younger generation out there is saying, Hey, you know, there's this forging process that, that makes great men, that makes great Spartans, great soldiers, just great men in general. Guess what? That, that's gotta be a part of your life. And it just, even with women, you know, I, we can't strip yeah. away the forging. We can't dilute the forging process at all. You got to apply the pressure, the pain, the heat. So, you know, how do people who aren't, you know, necessarily prepared for that, what can they do then to go find a program, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, what, what, what can they do to kickstart that understanding of how important the heart and the pain is? Yeah. I mean, I think it first has to, has to be a choice that you want to challenge yourself, you know, and then from that choice, every person is going to have a different 
need, a different requirement. You know, like what, what I do where I'm working out three times a day, I'm on the shooting range four to five days a week, you know, I'm grappling, I'm boxing, I'm kickboxing, and then I'm going to long gun, then I'm going to carbine, and I'm going to pistol. You know, that is obviously very specific to what I do. Um, you know, does an accountant who has a, you know, some kids at home, a wife that he's maybe not even connecting with anymore, does he need to do those things? Absolutely. Awesome. You know, he, no, he doesn't need to be on the shooting range. No, he doesn't need to be in the gym, but he has to do something that's going to challenge who he is as a human and as a man that will then eventually metamorphosis itself into something great. Otherwise it'll be stagnant and stale the rest of his life. If you're not being challenged, if you're not being worked, if you're not being broken, that's how the human body works. The, the way a muscle gets strong is it gets damaged and the muscle goes, uh, yeah. damn, that hurts. I have to get stronger so I don't feel this pain again. Your soul and your brain works the same way. Your brain, your heart, your muscles, it's all, it's all connected. And you have to push it to breaking before it can come back stronger and be better. There, you, ha- it is. there you have it, bud. I mean, there you have it right there. I, oh, my God. That, that, I mean, I mean, there's a, that sums it up. There's a, have you ever read Source Code, the book Source Code? I can't read. Okay, good. I think it's audio, though. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> I got those two. That's why I have it in audio. I, I was getting to that part. <laughs> uh, it, it talks about that. The muscle, that actual, and athletes do this overseas. They, they train with a, uh, what, a smaller field and a smaller ball. In, in the baseball, the Brazilians do it. You know what I mean? And it's literally, yeah, you don't have to, if you're an accountant, you don't have to do what we're doing, man. That, this is obviously part of our skill set, but. Look at everything that goes into just going to the range to train that skill set, all the muscle memory and everything like that. And that's what it talks about. You can literally, it, and it's so funny, man, because we use all these terms in the military to get out of complacency in life to, to make ourselves more effective. And then when you get out, instead of applying those into the civilian world, a lot of people throw them away. And you shouldn't do that, man, because it's ingrained because you had to go through it in the military the hard way. The imprint. And, yeah. You get rid of any of that. You get rid of the imprint and, and. It all comes down to what exactly what he said. So well, that's awesome. Well, Tim, what 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 does your future look like? I mean, do you keep pressing as hard as you can in all these different facets? Is there a pivot in your life where you're going to go and become some crazy doctor or some other thing, or or do you even think about life in that context? Are you just really just pushing as hard as you can in the moment and the place you're at? What what does Tim's future look like, and how do you approach it? Yeah, I'm not not see like berate the the metaphors the military but you know like I'm, I'm definitely like a five five meter 10 meter 25 meter target guy you know like first i got ufc 205 november 12th i gotta beat rashad uh-huh. evans you know to put my myself in a position to fight for the ufc title you know and then outside of that like people ask me like everything that you touch turns to gold you know yet you're an entrepreneur range rups doing great range 15 did fantastic you know the I have a shoe company, Whoobies. They're doing fantastic. I have a defensive tactics company, Sheepdog Response. That's doing fantastic. And they're like, you know, like, and like, no, it's not that I'm touching it. It's because I'm working hard. Yeah. And just, just like we've been saying this whole entire time, it's because I'm relentless and tirelessly committing myself to everything that I'm doing. And I realize that the good stuff happens after the hard work. So you say, what, what am I going to do? What, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a, a pivot point? Dude, I'm going to keep working from before the sun comes up and long, long after the sun goes down. And when everybody else is already in bed, I'm still there working. And that's not going to change until the day I die or my wife leaves me. That's know? awesome. Well, that's, that, that's, that's it, There's not a 24-hour day. Yeah, no, we were talking about yeah, that too, man. Right? Base is about a 24-hour day, man. If I'm not done. I ain't done. Yeah. I love keep that. Going. Well, Tim, man, that that 
that that pretty much sums it up and and we can't thank you enough for coming on and uh hopefully uh you know we'll share some more doozies in the after actions report and uh but thank you man we yeah, really bro, awesome. really appreciate your time and uh I, I know for all our listeners they're gonna be inspired and and just thanks a ton brother appreciate it dude thanks for having me on love you both keep doing everything you're doing you're inspiration thanks love you too brother Marcus, you have to push yourself till it you break. Because all time, right? All time. You push yourself till you break, you heal, you come back stronger. You know what? He's one of those instructors you didn't want to have, right? Never. <laughs> never. He because you know. Because remember the dudes who would just get like super excited about your pain? They got super excited. And yeah. They've already been down the rabbit hole, so they know how much pain that you they can take. Right? Oh, they, they, <laughs> there's no limit to where that pain threshold I mean, is. For kinda, them. Uh, did you, did you know who uh, Instructor Reno? I don't want to say his first uh, name. No, I didn't have Reno. Oh man, had rocket ships for boots. <laughs> God dang, man, those kind of guys. You know, they're smiling and cussing you. Oh, I mean, just Reno, man. He sit there and do these two two handed push ups, and he go to one arm while we're still doing two. And then we're Struggling, dying out, right? Dying. Calling us. Just, it was awesome. Well, when you, when you, if, and, and I highly recommend you're listening to the show, go, go follow Tim Kennedy on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all those places. Cause what you see, what you hear here is real. It transcends into every aspect of life. The guy is fired up to be alive, to be pushing himself to the best possible quality person he can be every single day that is a that's a rarity a lot of people look at the military and then he's in the fight game it's a physical thing right right he's just a physical brute he's just an exceptional being physical and fighting and combat everything like that man but the mental game that goes into achieving both of those is is has to be above the physical level so it it leaves the when you see somebody who's doing stuff like that Oh, it's a whole nother game, dude. Right away, yep. I mean, one of the funniest things is, you know, I, I and 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 I didn't want to bring it up because it is has been beaten a little bit, but you know, when ISIS has active threats out there against people, right? They have a list, and that list came out, and Tim Kennedy was on that list mm. along with Nick from Ranger Up as well, too. And and instead of like going, oh man, we gotta evaluate, Tim came out and was like, yeah, here I am. I'm training to kill you right now. Come find me. Watch my video. Watch my video because I want you come on over. Well, I'll be here. UFC 205. Get the pay per view, and you can watch watch me there too. Yeah, you can watch how yeah, prepared I am. Fights to ISIS. So you can <laughs> you can have a look at just exactly what it is you're going to be going up against. Exactly, and and so that's the whole mentality, man. Is that it, you can't? He just wants more. And then not more in a what does that mean, anyways, if you put the warfighters, the SF guys on that list? Hey, they're are, already is, is there. Is supposed to do something to it? No, no, they're already there. You're they're such already, a badass, uh, the enemy knows you by name. Well, it's like Chris was, right? right, right yeah, yeah. That's I, was <laughs> I mean, the ultimate right there. know him by name, he knew him by his nicknames. Everything, right? From the, yeah, from the name that the bad guys put on it. <laughs> cool, right? That's real cool. That's, That's super cool. Anyways, my, my point about Tim Kennedy, man, and when you think about this guy and you listen to his story, and I hope you, you heard more than that, the fact the guy was just high on life and, you know, he was, he was just, you know, full tilt all the way. The focus the man has every day in my mind is uh, remarkable because you cannot be focused doing what he's doing, right? Oh, no way. 
I mean, you. No, I mean, I, he's at that level at the fight game, man, where the, it's not how good you are. It's, whether, it's when you make the mistake. And then the other guy capitalized on it, man. And that, that kind of attention to, to detail, pushing through SF and the military and the wars and then getting out and being successful in that. Oh. What, one of the interesting things that I thought, too, when he talked about, I, I'm doing this because I want to challenge myself to see if I can become the best in my class, right? And it's not about the belt. It's not about the fame. It's best not about himself. Yeah, it's, the be- it's about bettering himself, becoming the best of, him, of, of the self he imagines he can be, kind of like we talked about with other people that come on the show as well, too, that drive. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, being the best doesn't last a long time. No. It's fleeting, right? It wanes. At all. Ask any champion who's had the belt. Or any, I mean, that's just not how that works. I mean, you start telling yourself that, I mean, like I said, there's only one way to go, and that's down, not best. Exactly. Because if, you, I mean, if, if you're training like you want to be the best, it's never ending, man. That's the power that comes in that once you've told yourself that you've reached that, then and he talked don't about, do that. Right, man. he talked about that as in, in SF, too, right? Yeah. That it's, it's, he's, all, he's the perpetual new guy. Not in terms of his skill sets, but obviously. I mean, the guy's. But you the, are. You're always a new guy to somebody. Right? To somebody, there's always like. Uh, I mean, for uh, for when I came in, it was you know the Vietnam guys, you know, and, and they're around. <laughs> you know what I mean? They let you know it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I had this funny story. So I, I and I, you know, I once had once had the opportunity to go to meet a, a swimmer scout, a UDT swimmer scout from from World War Two, and and Patches Watson oh, was the guy who man. introduced me. So here I was. Standing in front of Patches Watson, you know, arguably one of the greatest point men to ever walk the, the, the land in Vietnam, you know, five combat tours in Vietnam, full years, right? And then here, I, but he showed humility to the, a swimmer scout who was a swimmer scout on oh, Iwo Jima, Saipan, and four other campaigns, man. He was a swimmer scout in all of those, dude. And he, he was like, hey, Chief, how's it going? And, and, and Chief Watson was like, Yes, sir. Good to, you know, thanks for, and I was like, yes, sir. No, yes, sir. Yes. And I'm just like, my, this is what oh, yeah. it's about is the, is the continuation of that drive, right? To be a part of something bigger than yourself. Oh, well, this doesn't happen very often in our community, especially as a matter of fact, it's only happened one time. That's why I can think about it. We're, we're Vietnam guys like, man, you, you, you guys fighting this for y'all, y'all are good to go, man. Y'all are tougher and this. No, no frogman's going to say it. No, no. Because, I mean, the Vietnam guys, when we talk about them in our heads, I mean, that's the jungle. I mean, them guys are nasty. You know With nothing. I mean? They had nothing, always, dude. I mean, every, it doesn't matter how Dude, old I had are, night vision, yeah. laser on dude. my gun, helicopters coming yeah. in. Those I mean, dudes had Chuck Taylor's jeans and some yeah. newfangled weapon called the stoner. Yeah. That, like, Green face paint. <laughs> keep a K-bar in their mouth, keep their teeth straight. You know what I mean? I, I live for that, right? So in my mind, that's what I'm always looking at. When someone's like, oh, I was a Vietnam frog, I'm like, oh, yeah. You're like, argh. <laughs> 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 we were at one of the reunions. Morgan and I were down there. One, I don't even know. We were both together. And uh, and uh, we didn't have any money. And we were broke. And yeah. he was like, all right, get your picture taken with twin Navy SEALs. You know, two beers. At the, remember that? Tell you know that? <laughs> Of course, you're a team guy. I think nobody wants to do Oh, so my God. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesse was there, so we had to come up with our own original gag. Right. Uh, but anyways, I was walking uh, to fetch a couple of uh, beers, and I ran into this guy, and he's missing his leg, just like you expect. You know, his eyes got just crusty. Sunk. Yeah. UDT uh, Buzz Class 1 on his name tag, and I had 228 on mine. Yeah. He yeah. was tall enough to see my name tag yeah. after I'd bumped into him. That's a story. Like, <laughs> he goes, you knew me, piece of 
Well, yeah, like, you gonna stand there and look at me? Or, I saw I spilled some of his beer. Right, right. right. <laughs> oh man! And once he figured out I was a, I was a, I was a new guy. I mean, it was on. I loved it. I was like, yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Right, right. yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. Man. Drop down. Yes, sir. That's what you want. <laughs> no, it's and that's the way it is. And you know what's funny is and I and and it's a little nerve wracking. I I don't know. I'm I you know I think Tim is is right for us to be cognizant that the, that younger generation might be losing some of that but i will tell you this and i hope not because I, when i when you say when we talk about that when you say it, oh, it makes me think that, that our generation is not doing our job exactly but i will tell you the dudes that i know that became instructors that were there you know that yeah, went yeah. that no, were i know where you're going you know, that, sure. that they're doing their they job they don't want it and you know right. how i know they're doing that job because a young man that i've been mentoring for 13 years who just deployed on his first deployment right uh he finished in my century class graduated and i told you about him. Right. his level of respect for you guys, for you know, for, for your <laughs> sure. your your group, no, Maya is off the charts because it, it still exists in our community. Yep. I mean, I, I said that like I like I feel that way, but our guys, I know that it's still that way because who I learned from, they're still around. Oh and yeah. If, I, if, if my generation, you know, the X Men, they're not they're doing that too. And I go out to Bud's and talk to those guys all the time. And it's just the kids don't want to. I can't say they don't want to learn it, man. It's just the way they. It's different. It's how they learn it. Yeah, it's how they learn it. Which is, man, that's too bad because you want it that way. That's what's so cool about being, coming into the program, man. You want it. You want it the hardest, crusty cr- something yeah. you ever heard about, to, and go hang out next to him to see what he's going to do. Just let some of that salt flake off on your Roll shoulder, right? Line, right? And, and it makes you stand a little taller. It makes you want the pain a little more yeah. on Fridays. I mean, you know? when the, when, those dudes, man. When when the answer, when everything's falling apart, no matter what it is, and and. They're looking at you like, why'd you do it that way? And those, because I'm a hairy chested frog man. I am a freedom fighter. That right yeah, that's it. Right. If you that's have it. an answer for, yeah. for what you did wrong, you're like, well, I'm a hairy chested frog man. Roger that. <laughs> Roger that. Carry uh, on. Carry on smartly. <laughs> you know, Work harder, not yeah. smarter, right? Uh, don't get caught. Uh, I love it. Well, listen. I hope if if you've paid attention to this show and and that you heard what Tim Kennedy was saying to you that it's not about going out and finding the easy route the easy route it's not about going out and and testing yourself a little bit it's about going out and forging yourself day in and day out by pounding yourself into a pulp by feeling the pain but at every second of every day when you're in the midst of the combat of life that you got a smile on your face that you surround yourself with people that are going to keep your iron sharp and that you look to the future and set those goals to be the best that you can be in what you want to achieve in life. And that's it, man. That is the secret of the never quit mindset. So thank you for paying attention. Please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com for more shows and understand why we're doing it, what our mission is. Check out teamneverquit.com for merchandise for the Team Never Quit speakers. Uh, and and just, uh, you know, spread the word for us. You know, go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, but get out there and share these experiences with other people. And if you've got a great Never Quit story yourself, don't be afraid to send it in. Share it with us via the website. So, Marcus, who do you want to thank as we sign off, buddy? That was good. Thanks, brother. Like I, I didn't even want to interrupt. Usually, when, <laughs> if I start going on something else, man, that's, you're doing. I was like, 
You got me locked in. And that's how you debate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> love you, Will. Uh, love uh, you, Will. Yeah. Thank the good Lord for giving me all my gifts and my friends for helping me find them and to the boss lady for, for marrying me. What a great lady. She just got back from, uh, man, I can't wait to get this. She's been gone all day. Yeah, she has. Been gone two days. So, uh, and yeah. thanks everybody out there for uh, for listening and letting us do this. Yeah, I want to thank God too. I want to thank I want to thank Wizard. I want to thank you, Marcus. Uh, without you two, I couldn't be doing what I love doing in my life, and that's bringing positivity to people's lives. I want to thank all the frogmen that taught me the power to forge and process. I want to thank the brotherhood. The, the brotherhood. I want to thank the Tim's brotherhood. I want to thank all the special operations guys out there that are downrange or in training right now. Because it's 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 our legacy to you, your legacy to the next generation that keeps our country strong, that makes all this never quit mindset possible. And I just want to thank all that. So with that, I'm out, Mark. Well.